0: Amen. Yeah. So, I want to uh, sort of invite you into the text that we're going to be reading today. And periodically, I'll be I'll be looking at something in in the Bible, and I'll come across something unusual, and I'll think, you know, oh, this will be great. I'll discover some great. Hidden truth here, Rusty knows that feeling, um, only to find out that it's not really hidden it's a great truth, but it's been there for thousands of years, uh, just kind of waiting for me to stumble across it. so I was reflecting this week and, and actually in previous weeks on this on this concept of forgiveness and what it is that God calls out of us as humans, in terms of forgiveness. And in sort of a a nerdy journey through that question, I came across this one passage in the Gospel of Luke where there's a different word that is used for uh, forgiveness, for our call to forgive, than, than what is used anywhere else in the New Testament. And so, in this little passage, there's a word that's translated, you know, forgive. uh, And it's actually a different root and a different word altogether than every other translation in English that that says that we're to forgive. I thought, I wonder what's up with that. I wonder if there's something different or unique in the gospel of Luke in this particular and so here's here's the uh here's the 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 conclusion at the front of the of the message there's nothing different about this particular passage it is interesting that Luke uses a slightly different word the word he uses means to release or um separate from and so he says you know you are to separate from you are to release and you will be released is sort of if you translated it literally and it's it's very similar actually to the same meaning that's used everywhere else and here's here's where it all kind of comes down to the point where there's no real difference between the way luke says it here and the way matthew translates jesus when he said these words, was speaking in a language called Aramaic. It was the local language of his day. And when Matthew and Luke and other gospel authors are quoting Jesus 99% of the time, they're translating that into uh, the common language of the day. And so... Luke made a choice to translate the words of Jesus in this particular phrase slightly differently than the way Matthew chose to translate it. Um, Okay, that's not a big deal, actually. Uh, So all that to say, all that big sort of, I wonder what's here, led me back to the context in the passage, which is actually massive. The, the, what we are called to here is way beyond what any of us are capable of in in, our, in terms of our humanity. And so to not get caught up in the detail of which word Luke used to translate what Jesus was saying and to get kind of back into the intensity, really, of this passage and what Jesus is trying to say to us. That's what I hope to lead us through this morning, so I'm going to uh, read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter six, verses 27 through 38, and it'll be uh, down in verse 37 that you you hear this uh, unique word for our call to forgive. But uh, just try to try to grasp the fullness of what Jesus is saying here. It's it's pretty radical. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. is merciful judge not and you will not be judged condemn not and you will not be condemned forgive and you will not and you will be forgiven give and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you and Spending time there in those words of Jesus uh, led me to uh, another occasion in the New Testament where the word enemies is used. And I thought this was a good uh, sort of complimentary verse that, that we put ourselves in the shoes of those who are considered God's enemies and we look at how he treated us. This is taken up in the book of Romans in chapter 5, verse 10, where it just says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And so, these, both of these scriptures take up this question of enemies. Um, one with us. Our starting point being enemies of God. The other, once we're in the fold, in the family of God, how we then treat our enemies. Right? Okay. Um, as I was saying to the kids, there is what we could call the human impulse. As, as I was Sort of, so one of the things that I often do when I'm researching a passage is I will go read uh, the the commentary by a guy named John Calvin. He lived about 400 and something years ago, um, and I know you would find that dreadfully boring. That's okay. I'm into that kind of stuff. And interestingly, on this particular passage, Calvin just goes off. He was he was a, a pastor and a, uh, a civil leader, um, very prolific writer, um, great mind, and so his pastor's heart just like comes right out of the page as he writes about this. Page. And he says, "We treat judging other people like a sport. It is a blood sport, and we love it." And every one of us has a little, a little game going on inside of us as we look at other people and we judge them and we, we peg them and we decide how terrible they are. And he says, And those scrutinies are never applied to ourselves. We never turn that lens around. And I, I was struck you know if somebody comes out that clearly in 1545 this we're talking about something that is truly universal to the human condition this impulse that we have to to judge others to uh, Respond to others in kind, but not in kindness. So we, we, we are approached by an enemy and we give them back what they deserve or what we think they deserve. And Jesus has to be, when he's speaking these words for the first time, just blowing the minds of the people listening to him. Like like the kids were like, what what do you mean? You mean if he takes my coat, I give him my shirt? What's crazy? Yes, it is. It's totally crazy uh, to bless someone who's cursing you, to um, pray for someone who's abusing you. So let's let's try to get toward or move toward what Christ is calling out of us here. This is all part of a a call that Jesus is placing upon his followers to go beyond that human impulse, to go beyond our native inclinations and to begin to reflect the nature of God rather than human nature. All right. So the call to go beyond begins with going beyond the golden rule to do unto others as as you would have them do unto you. Jesus actually takes us beyond that call. Um, This begins, I think, with knowing what it is that God has done for you. To know what Christ has done for you on the cross is the beginning of this calling. The the Romans chapter 5 verse 10. The fact that we were enemies and yet God reconciled us to himself by the death of his son. To know what Christ has done for us that he died for the undeserving and that he lives for our completion. It's the idea that God is not finished with any one of us at this point. And he he may never be. Eternity may be an eternal growth into and toward the fullness of who God is and who he calls us to be. And so this is our beginning point, if you will. And God looks at us and says, Oy vey, you're a mess. you're a mess you're a mess of human impulse and i love you and i'm gonna go to the cross so that you can have a different source for life and he does this on our behalf through the death of his son through suffering and anguish and sorrow in order to bring us Hope and joy and life. And so it begins there with this understanding, this knowledge of what God has done for us through Christ. And that moves directly into a call to show our enemies what God has shown to us as his former enemies. To put ourselves out for their sake. And to put yourself in their shoes, to turn that lens around, so to speak, and reflect on how painfully similar we all truly are at, at the heart of it, of, at the end of the day. The amazing thing about grace is we are all so far from holiness and righteousness that our need for grace is truly equal here. I I really can't, and we'll get to this in a moment, I can't judge you. (laughs) I I am equally as distant from the heart of God as you or any other human being in our beginning points. And... This is the root of our ability to reach out to others. This equality of depravity, if you will. And so, we put ourselves out for the sake of others. We put ourselves in their shoes. We go beyond the golden rule. And we go beyond what is expected of us. Jesus moves in this passage Uh, Into a whole uh, sort of unrolling of what is the norm, what is the expected norm. Uh, Of course, we love people who love us. That's a cakewalk. Of course, we're kind to those who are kind to us. Duh. Well, some people aren't, but, you know, we're not talking about that right now. you know, of course, these are these are the givens of human interaction. And Jesus says, that doesn't get you anywhere. No, there's no challenge there. There's no challenge in, in being kind to someone who's already being kind to you. That's a breeze. Let's talk about something way beyond that. Let's talk about when someone is assaulting you in some way what do you do then how do you love then so this call to go beyond is a call to get past our human nature good luck hope that works out well for you uh i love my human nature i don't know about you but i'm really good at being me right am i wrong Catherine? no right And if you would just listen to my human nature, we would get along great. And God says, um, I want something more than that. I want something more than just whoever has the most dominant personality. I want you to get beyond your human nature to do good to those who don't deserve it. To give when there's nothing in it for you. Just a quick little story from church history. You've probably heard of a guy named St. Francis. You know what he was famous for? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? What? St. Francis was not a sissy. He was from a sissy. St. Francis, you know what he was famous for? Prayer. There's the, the, the St. Francis, the prayer of St. Francis. We, we pray that periodically. He was a monk. I don't think he brewed beer. He did not make chocolate. So, Francis uh, Francis had a strange habit for his day. Not the thing the nuns wear That's not where I was going with that. (laughs) Haha. He he basically set up the Western world's first animal refuge. Um, He, like an animal hospital, he would take wounded birds and animals and whatever he, you know, and he would bring them to his little monastery and he would care. It was like a zoo. I'm sure it smelled like a zoo. What's that? No. He was a, he was a monk. He was a Catholic priest. But here's, here's why he did that. At that time in history, animals were viewed strictly for their utilitarian value. Okay? They were primarily agricultural in nature. They, if, they, if they didn't help you in some way, you had no use or time. You wouldn't spend money feeding them. Okay? Okay? Francis had a whole different outlook. His outlook was we should be kind to animals because they cannot repay us. If I go out and I'm and I'm kind to a person, there can be a social expectation that that person then owes me a thank you. And Francis understood that if you if you showed kindness to animals, they could never Thank you. Uh, people didn't see animals the way we see them now. We see them as part of our families. This was not the worldview of the 14th century or whenever. Somebody looked that up. Fact check me on that. Whenever Francis lived. Um, but his whole philosophy was, as we as we show kindness to entities that cannot repay us, we become more like Christ. And it, it helps us to relate better to other people who may or may not return thanks for our gestures, but we have been in the practice of being kind without any expectation of return on that investment, if you will. And that was his whole philosophy of being kind to animals. And it's just an interesting, uh, he was actually basing his entire viewpoint off of this teaching um, that, you, you are to be kind. You're to give and expect nothing in return. Okay. So, we are to get past our human nature and we are to reflect more of God's nature through the way we live, the way we relate to other people. In short, be kind and be merciful. Not just to the people who are kind and merciful to you, but to those other people. Yes, we know who... You you might even have names flashing before your mind right now. Dan, it might even be my name flashing before your mind right now. Just my initials. You're not going to name names, but his initials stand for Tom Masterson. Yeah, very good. Where have I heard that recently? Hmm. So to go beyond, to go beyond the golden rule, to go beyond what is expected, to go beyond forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard enough right out of the box. And Jesus says, I want I want not just forgiveness, I want you to go farther than that. Um... To respond to others as God has treated us. He chose not to judge us, to pour out all of His judgment and wrath on the cross instead of on us. He chose not to condemn us, but to redeem us and save us by the blood of His Son. And so, we are to be a people who do not write off others. How do I want to say this? So, I I try to uh, preach these words to myself before I bring them to you, right? And there is a part of me that enjoys not forgiving someone. And I might even act like I forgave that person. I might project, you're forgiven. But in my true heart, my true dirty little heart, you ain't forgiven. I'm still enjoying holding on to whatever that is. I gotcha. You owe me. Right? And... Jesus says in this passage, he literally says this is, this is where that little word that Luke uses gets gets good release them loosen them away is kind of how it goes literally. Um release them. And it's an interesting choice of words. It has other meanings at different places in the New Testament. It's not the only time the word is used. It's just the only time the word is used where it means to forgive, to let someone go. And this is, a, is an enormous Call. When I forgive someone on the surface, I tend to think we're good. They probably tend to think we're good. But underneath, I can still be holding on. And Jesus says, I want you to go beyond just saying I forgive you, and I want you to actually Let that go. We are to respond to others as God has treated us. We're to give ourselves as God gave himself. To release others from our unforgiveness. And give away grace at every opportunity. Jesus as he sort of concludes these thoughts on loving your enemies he he rolls it all down into judge not and you will not be judged condemn not and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven give and i will and it will be given to you it is Tempting to look at this like karma. I am 100% sure that Jesus was not teaching karma. He was taking a truth and turning it upside down. To force his listeners to re-examine what they believed. The truth... Goes like this You are forgiven, therefore forgive. You have not been condemned, therefore do not condemn. You have not been judged, therefore do not judge. You have been given infinite grace. Therefore, give some away. And that is exactly what Jesus was taking and turning it upside down so that everybody sitting there would have to go, what? This is crazy. And as we examine those words and our own hearts together, we come to some very difficult conclusions. That I haven't let go of things that I should have. That God has completely let go of my sin. He took it all on the cross. And we are called to be those who take what was given to us and pass it around. Will you pray with me? God our Father, we thank you for your word. We confess that we cannot live up to this standard in our own strength. The standard to turn the other cheek. To bless those who curse us. We get so mad. So indignant. And we hold on. Lord, help us to let go. And to go beyond our human impulses and to tap into your infinite grace in the way that we understand your love for us and in the way we express your love to others. Lord, help us to extend grace and expect nothing in return. It is so contrary to who we are. And so we just lay ourselves at your feet and pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that your grace would flow abundantly into our hearts and overflow out of our hearts into the lives of those around us. It is in your Son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.